scripture reading today is from the book of 1 Kings, and we'll be reading chapter 18, verses 17 through 24. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel, and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ben, and I am one of the elders here at Pillar, and I am super excited to uh, continue our sermon series on 1 Kings. If you've been with us already, we're going through 1 and 2 Kings. Um, but I have to open up with what I'm nervous about today. Uh, so if you've been coming to our church for a little bit, you know that we usually have communion elements at the back. Uh, but for today, we have the, the elements up front, and we call this Affirmation Sunday. And the very first time I ever preached during an Affirmation Sunday, uh, I definitely made a mistake. So that's why I'm nervous. I'll share it with you. Ned Kingman, he was one of our elders. He's, uh, he's pcs and so he's not here anymore. But Ned Kingman was the elder up here, and he was the one um, doing the, uh, the communion for us that day. And he was talking about the bread and how it resembles God and resembles Jesus' body. And so I'm standing over here because the person who preaches just stands over here. And then, you know, I'm ready with an empty basket. And I look down, I'm like, oh, my basket's empty. Like, this is not going to go good. So while he's talking, I walk behind him. I take the bread. I rip it in half. I take it back to my basket. And I say to myself, I'm set. And then he says, so let me break this in two, just as Jesus' body. And he, he goes down to reach for the bread. And he's all like, and I'm over there like, I'm so sorry, man. So, so I am excited to be here and to continue our sermon series. But if you see me reach for the bread, seriously, stop it. Ben, no, no, no. Like, that's, that's Vince's job today to break the bread, not mine. My basket will fill up. I promise you that. Uh, so that's why I'm nervous. Uh, anyways, let's continue, let's continue with why we're really here. And that's uh, to read more about uh, King Ahab and Elijah. But before we get into that, I want to talk about God in general a little bit. We get to see God's power all throughout the Bible. It starts in creation. God speaks and things become. And history is started, right? And the world is created. The sun and the moon, the stars, the animals, all the creepy things that crawl are created, right? We see God's power there. We see God's power in the flood where he destroys everything that he created because the people turn their hearts from him, 
right? We see God's power in the Exodus where the Jews, the Israelites are leaving Israel and he sends the 10 plagues. Only God can do that. So we see God's power there. We see it when they're, when they're leaving and he parts the sea for them to walk through. We see it in the Old Testament, but we also see it in the New Testament. We see Jesus' miracles, Jesus commanding the wind and the waves. We see Jesus healing those that are sick, those that are crippled, walking for the first time, reviving sight to the blind, resurrecting Lazarus back from the dead. We get to see God's power all throughout the Bible, and, and we see it in Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting three days later. And family, the story that we have today with King Ahab, Elijah, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and all of Israel that's there in attendance is just another story about God's immense power. So let's dig into it a little bit. Before we do, believers, I'm going to tell you that, that this is not a warning sign for pagans. This is not a warning sign for non-believers. This is a warning for remembrance for you. If you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, God, Yahweh, the, the Lord Most High, this story is for you. If we have any non-believers in here, I am really excited because I was a non-believer six years ago and I didn't want to be a believer, well, because I believed in science and some other stuff, but I thought it was boring and really, really dull. Non-believers, this story is for you because God is not boring. God is not dull. And what happens today in this story where we get to see his immense power should definitely change your mind. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we give you thanks, Lord, for being here with us. We thank you for, for keeping us safe. We thank you for providing your son, Jesus Christ, and his spirit right alongside him, Lord. He now dwells in each and every one of your believers, and we give you thanks. Lord, we thank you for the sun that is shining outside, that shines down on the beauty of your creation. Holy Spirit, help us today recognize our hearts. Help us today open our ears and our mind to your word and to your glory, and help us remember who the true living God is. Lord God, we pray all these things in your son's mighty name. Amen. All right, so uh, Lauren read for us a little bit about what's going on right now. We're, we're on Mount Carmel. There's some stuff that's going to happen, but we really need to go backwards before we can go forward. So let's go to 1 Kings 17.1 and, and find out where, where Elijah and Ahab really come into play. So 17.1, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain in these years except by my word. Family, Ahab is, is called the most evil king that has yet to come. Whoever was before him that has been doing evil, Ahab is more evil than him. So God sends Elijah. Elijah tells him there's going to be a drought. No dew, no rain until I say so. After Elijah says that to Ahab, he sends him off to live with a, a Sidonian woman, someone who is outside the family of Israel. She is not a Jew. Her faith does not line up with Yahweh, but God sends Elijah to live with this widow and her son for three years. And then we pick back up in 1 Kings 18.1. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Uh, saying, go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So he does. 
Elijah tells him there's going to be no rain. Yahweh comes back, talks to Elijah, says, hey, go talk to him. We're going to send some rain. And so picking up our story today, it almost seems as if like the story is about the rain, but it's not. So that, that brings us to our main point today, which is choose today who you will serve. Elijah says this to Israel, and he also says it to each and every one of us. Before we jump in, I want to talk about Elijah a little bit. Elijah, um, names have meaning. I realize that my name, Benjamin, has meaning. I probably should have researched it before bringing that up, but I don't know what it means. But it means something. Elijah, his name means, my God is Yahweh. So it's very fitting that Elijah, his name is the one, the prophet that is in this story, where he's talking to Israel about limping between which God they serve. And, and the cool thing about Elijah is he's one of the only prophets who's actually seen in the New Testament. He's not just talked about, but he's there with Jesus and Moses at his transfiguration. So we get Elijah as the prophet right now, and, and, and in this situation, he is against 450 prophets of Baal, all by himself, and all of Israel that is there. He is on his own. He is all by himself, and he challenges Israel, how long will you go on limping, wavering between two opinions, hobbling between Yahweh and Baal? Family, in English, we have this idiom that, that is sitting on the fence, right? Sometimes you're, you're sitting on the fence about a decision that you have to make. If I'm, if I'm sitting on the fence and, well, if I feel this way today, then I'll lean this way. Or if I'm sitting on the fence today and my decision's different tomorrow, it's, it's this way. And that's what Elijah's here to tell Israel. You cannot sit on the fence for God, you cannot waver between two gods, a false god and the only true living God. Family, the story is not about bringing back the rain. It's about bringing back restoration. It's about God being the only true turner of hearts. But before we jump into it all the way, I want us to go to Exodus 20, 2 through 6. Hi, James. That's my son. He can yell at me. Here God is, is speaking these words to Moses, and, and we're talking about the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is that on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Family, worshiping both false gods, Israel worshiping Baal, or us today worshiping false gods, is impossible. You cannot sit on the fence with Yahweh. This brings us to our three points for today. Uh, first point is, hello, anybody there? Uh, second point is, God reveals himself. And the third and final point is, the Lord, he is God. Let's jump right into it. First Kings 18, 25 through 30. We'll talk a little bit about it as we go into this. 
So Elijah just told Ahab to get all these people to come up to the mountain and they're going to do a sacrifice and whose God you know, will provide that sacrifice and the people of Baal answer, it is well spoken. Like we know we're going to win this. It is well spoken. That's a good idea. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first for you are many and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bowl that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal, but Baal from the morning until noon, hours, hours. They set up, they set up for their God to, do, to destroy this sacrifice, to burn up the sacrifice, and they're at it for hours. From morning till noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And then we get to see something really interesting that you don't really see it too often in the Bible. You see mockery. You see, you see Elijah come at them. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is musing, he's thinking about something so deeply or he's relieving himself. He might have toilet paper stuck to the bottom of his shoe or he's on a journey. Maybe, maybe he's going somewhere or perhaps he's sleeping and he must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their customs with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Family, we have the opposite. We have a God that answers. We have a father that called and a son that picked up. And he responded. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, called for a spotless lamb to be sacrificed on the behalf of all those who have faith and believe in him. Jesus took that call and he answered it for us. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we can be the righteousness of God. Family, we need to be excited because we do have the opposite of Baal. Baal doesn't answer, Jesus answers, and he never slumbers. See, Baal had no power. He can't send the fire. It's not that he won't. It's not that he's thinking. He's not pooping right now. He can't send fire. He is not real. He is not real. He has no power. He's made up. He's an image carved out of wood. Let's go to Jeremiah 10.5 so we can read what Jeremiah tells us about false idols. He says, their idols are like scarecrows in a cucumber field. They cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither is it in them to do good. Family, Jeremiah tells us that these idols are fake, they can't walk, they don't speak, they don't breathe, they are not real. He says they can't do evil, but what he's not saying is that belief in them does not produce evil. They can't do evil, but turning your faith to these false idols will be evil in your life and in your heart. Now the crazy thing, when I was studying this passage, I thought all of Israel just went against Yahweh. 
They no longer remembered him. They put away everything. They never worshiped him ever again. But the weird thing is, they still believed in Yahweh. Just a little bit, though. See, at this time, other civilizations, other societies, other, other towns and cities that worshiped other gods, they had a god of this and a god of that. And Yahweh, to them, was the god of restoration from slavery. Well, if, it turns out that if you're not currently a slave, you don't need to worship Yahweh because, well, we don't need to be pulled out of slavery like he was who pulled us out of slavery from Egypt. But family, you can't put Yahweh aside and start worshiping a different god. See, Baal is the god of the sun. He was known to ride thunder and lightning. And so I want my crops to grow this year. I want to get a nice tan. I no longer need to be redeemed from slavery. I want to grow and sell my crops. So I need to worship Yahweh. Not Yahweh, sorry. I need to worship Baal. And I need to put Yahweh aside. See, family, the, the world is full of religion and full of faith without the true God. I would love to say Christianity isn't in that category, but I'd be lying to you. Christianity in some circles all throughout history, all throughout history has been gr- guilty of creating a false god. It's not, it's not, his name's not Baal. It's a different variation of Yahweh. It's a different variation of Jesus. It's a different variation of the Holy Spirit. Anytime we add to or we take away from, we are changing Jesus. We are changing our faith. Believers, what do we add as a requirement to our faith? Do we create something that's non-salvific and we close our hands upon it and we say that it is? Non-salvific. It's, it's, you must believe this to be true in order to be saved. You must. Do we believe that sensation of the spiritual gifts or continuation of the spiritual gifts makes someone saved or not? Do we hold that in a closed hand? Arminianism versus Calvinism, age of baptism or salvation requirements? Are we taking something that the Bible does not say makes you an enemy of God and saying that it does? King James Version only versus any other translation. This is the only translation that is the true word of God. Family, do we take our personal beliefs, which are good, which are good, and our congregational, excuse me, congregational convictions, which are good, and do we turn them into a law for all to follow? See, I stopped wearing a hat in church four or five years ago. Because I'm an American, living in America, going to a church with Americans, and when I go to a baseball game, every American takes off their hat to show honor to the flag. Family, you could wear a hat in church, doesn't make you a sinner, but I chose, my personal conviction is, I don't want someone to think that I don't honor God the same way that I honor a piece of paper floating in the wind. So I stopped wearing a hat as a personal conviction. If I came to church and, and, and talked down to her, said that you're breaking a law by wearing a hat in church, I'm the one producing evil. I'm the one changing the scriptures. I'm the one adding to Jesus. I would love to wear a hat. I'm bald. No one wants to see that. It's shining right now. See, we create new laws, and then we point our fingers saying that you're guilty of those laws, making you a sinner, and you are no longer in the family of God. But church, this is a coin, and that coin has two sides. There's the side that adds to, and then there's the side that that takes away from. 
What are we removing from our faith? What are we taking away that, well, the 21st century tells us isn't of God? See, we have churches today that celebrate sin, but they won't call it sin, they'll call it love. We have pastors today that will celebrate that love, which is a sin, and they'll say it's okay because the God of the Bible is different in the 21st century because God, God's word for yesterday, today, tomorrow, it changes, and it's okay today because if God is love, then your love is okay. Church, we're changing God. We have churches out there picketing against those picketing for the end of abortion. Because, well, it's evil for you to say that you shouldn't get an abortion because it's her body and her choice. And as the pastor of this church, we support this person making this decision, and so does God. We take God and we change him. Both sides to that coin, adding to or taking away. See, Vince brought up a couple weeks ago uh, the Mormon faith, and I loved that he brought that up. Uh, the Mormons believe in Jesus, right? They believe in a person named Jesus. That Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible, though. They won't tell you that. What they'll tell you is that we believe in Jesus, too. But then if you do some research, their Jesus is the brother of Satan, which means he was a creation. He was not the creator. Anytime you change Jesus, you now just took the person that saves us, and you turned him into nothing that can save. We do the same exact thing, and we need to recognize that when we take something that is not salvific and we close our death grips on it, and we cause division in the church, or when we remove something away that is black and white and concrete in the Word of God, and we say, well, I feel like God would be okay with that in the 21st century because it's love. Family, I had a lot of hand-me-down toys growing up. I want, I want you to raise your hand, which is awkward in church. Just get over it. It's fine. Who had a Mr. Potato Head when they grew up? Right. James, the one that was yelling, we kicked him out a little bit ago. Um, <laughs> he has, thank you, Lorna. Um, he has, we bought him a Mandalorian Mr. Potato Head. He still can't seem to open the box. He'll get there. Uh, he's nine months old. So anyways, I bought him a, a Mandalorian Mr. Potato Head because it's really cool. And, and it made me think of, of this. I used to play with a, a Mr. Potato Head. On the box, it shows you how Mando is supposed to look. When you put all the things in the holes, this is the perfect image of Mando, right? And, and there's the same thing for, for my hand-me-down Mr. Potato Head. The eyes go here, the mouth goes here, nose, ears, right, tie, whatever else, glasses. Family, we take Jesus, and he's our new Mr. Potato Head. We say, we don't like this part, and we pull it off. And where the eyes are supposed to go, we put a hand. And where the mouth is, we just remove it all together because it's not fun for us or it goes against my feelings. Apparently, we are guilty of playing Mr. Potato Head with a triune God, changing things, taking this image that is perfect and distorting it in ways that we call fun and exciting and love. But it's not. It's not fun or exciting or love. Family, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, has answered our call through Jesus. Baal doesn't answer, Jesus always does. Let's go to Psalm 121, three through four. So it, it sort of takes us back to one, something uh, Elijah's saying to these 400 and prof, 450 prophets of Baal about their God. 
starting in, in, in verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel, Yahweh, will neither slumber nor sleep. Family, we can take comfort knowing that our God isn't traveling, isn't getting the toilet paper off his shoe, isn't thinking about something so deep that he can't connect with his people, but he is always there. He is always awake. He is always with you. God always reveals himself. He never slumbers. Which brings us to our second point. God reveals himself. Starting at 1 Kings 18, 30 through uh, 38. Let's continue on to see what happens on Mount Carmel. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. See, what, what's about to happen, Elijah doesn't want them to think there's some, some misdirection taking place. He doesn't want them to, to have some sort of other answer for what about is what about to happen other than Yahweh proving to be who he is. So he says, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he prepared the altar. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two sayas of seed. So he gets the altar set up. He takes this altar that was originally for Yahweh, and he restores it with the 12 stones to resemble the 12 tribes of Jacob. And they, they dig a trench. And he put the wood in order and cut the bowl in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. These people, Israel, who's up on this mountain, the 450 prophets of Baal, King Ahab, has to be looking at Elijah like this dude doesn't understand how fire works. This dude doesn't understand that you're supposed to put dry wood there. This guy is not making any sense. See, family, God didn't want the odds God doesn't need the odds to be on his side. God likes it when the odds are all against him, when it's in favor of the house to win. See, God doesn't need the wood to be dry. God doesn't need the offering to be dry. God wants people to be just stupefied by the power on which he's about to show them on top of this mountain. By taking the soaking wet wood, the soaking wet offering, and burning it all up. But see, the 450 Israel, Ahab, they have no idea. They have no idea. So we carry on in verse 36. And at the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. This is not a story about a drought ending with rain. This is a story about a drought ending in their hearts. 
and God being the only person that can restore that, turning their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Family, God sent the fire. It burned up the entirety of the offering. It burned up the stones. It burned up the dust. It burned up all the water that was in the trench. No explanation other than Yahweh is the true God. See, prophets point people back to God. Elijah's job, his role was pointing Israel back to the only living true God. He, he didn't dance. He, he didn't dance around. He didn't limp around for hours. He didn't take all day. He didn't cut himself and pour his blood all over the offering to show his God how much he really cares. Elijah gives a faithful prayer to Yahweh, our God, and God answers. Doesn't have to do this crazy show for people to believe other than just God's power showing it all. See, but like, why doesn't he just restore the rain? Wouldn't that show his power? No, it would not show his power good enough because they can explain it away any other way. They needed this. They needed to be up on Mount Carmel. They needed all the witnesses. Elijah needed everyone to come near so they could believe and so God could turn their hearts back towards himself. See, Jesus revealed himself to his followers the same way God revealed himself to everyone on Mount Carmel. Jesus has no explanation for walking on water other than he is God. There is no explanation for healing a crippled man and telling him to pick up his mat and walk other than God. There is no explanation for taking Lazarus out of the tomb after four days and having him rise at the sound of his voice the same way God created everything. Family, in, in, in Israel culture, in Jewish culture, the body could not be resurrected after day three. Day three was it. Jesus showed them. You can pour water on Lazarus and I will still raise him from the dead. The same way you can pour water on this offering and I will still burn it up. But see, all odds were against Elijah, just like all odds were against Jesus. Elijah, 450 prophets, Ahab who wanted to kill him, and all of Israel who already turned their hearts towards Baal. Jesus, just like all odds were against Jesus, our Savior. Alone, Scourged, mocked, beaten, whipped, made to carry his cross, hung on a cross to die. Jesus was forsaken by his followers the same way Elijah was forsaken by all of Israel. But family, even though Jesus was forsaken by his followers, even though he did die in a crazy way, the, the, the greatest way to murder anyone that the Romans ever knew was by crucifixion. Today he reigns supreme as king. 
Today he reigns at the right hand of the Father of the Most High God, Yahweh, who poured the fire down from heaven and burnt off his offering, and he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Family, we have something to be excited about. But my question is, where do we search for God? Where do we expect him to reveal himself? After this service, do we all need to get in our cars, go up to Mount Okinawa, and ask for the fire to rain down? Lord, help me believe. Let the fire rain down and burn up our offering. No. No, we don't. See, church, you were not there to see this fire rain down. Will you still believe in it? Church, you were not there when Jesus hung on the cross died and was buried and was resurrected three days later. Will you still believe? See, God has revealed himself throughout all history, from the beginning with creation, where he speaks it into existence, to where we are today. He's revealed himself through Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and his word. but he has also revealed himself to every single one of us in a very specific and different way. If you've been coming to Pillar for some time, you know about once a month, we have something called gospel stories where someone comes up here voluntarily, not on, like we don't make them do it, but they come up here and they share their story. They share their story and it's not just a story of of something that's good that happened in their life. That's not the point of it. The point of it is it it shows us all sitting in the audience. It tells us all a story of how God has revealed himself to that person. See, it's not just through Jesus. It's not just through the Holy Spirit. It's not just through his word, but it's also through him working in and around our lives as well, where we get to witness our own gospel story, point us back to Yahweh, the true and living God, the only God. Family, this reminds me of a story that comes from the the New Testament. There's an apostle, a follower of Jesus. His name's Thomas. I asked this in the first service, and it happened exactly how my my head said it would. What's his nickname? There we go. Yeah, Doubting Thomas. You guys are a little bit louder. I appreciate it. First service, like, doubting? I was like, stop doubting. You're doubting Thomas. So, um, yes, doubting Thomas, right? And he gets that nickname because Jesus dies on the cross, and everyone is dismayed. They don't know what, what happened, right? That was, he was supposed to defeat Rome. He was supposed to make us free. He was supposed to give us our land back. Jesus dies, and, and he, he reveals himself to some of his apostles. And Thomas isn't there. See, Thomas isn't there, but he comes back, and his apostles say, hey, we just saw Jesus, and he says, I don't believe it. Unless I touch him, unless I put my hands in his wounds, I will never believe. So a couple days later, Jesus comes back he shows up, the door's locked, he just appears in the room, and Jesus looks at Thomas and says, touch, feel, see. And Thomas says this, he says, after he touches him, he says, Lord, you are my Lord and my God. Almost exactly what Elijah's name stands for, my God is Yahweh. Here comes Thomas, recognizing who Jesus is, because he touched him. But see, Jesus says this to him, he said, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Church, we weren't there on Mount Carmel. We weren't there at the cross. We weren't there in that room where he revealed himself to Thomas. 
you're not going to do it perfectly. In fact, you're, you're going to fail at believing in Jesus, believing in God, Yahweh, our Lord, the true and living King. Next week, you're going to see Elijah fail. You're going to see him come down off this Mount Carmel high and not be the same. See, it's, it's when we fail that we know we have our rescuing Savior that has done it in our place to be perfect where we are imperfect, where our faith falters, his faith never did, where we don't answer the call, he already has. And that's who you can turn to is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Take comfort knowing that the ultimate comforter has provided the only way to be the Father, with the Father, and that's through faith in his, his Son, Jesus Christ. All right, moving on to subpoint three. I'm definitely talking a little bit too much, so I need to figure that out. Uh, subpoint three, 1 Kings 18.39. So we're on verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. God, God just revealed Himself to all of Israel. They went after Baal. They forgot about Yahweh. They're worshiping the sun God, not the true and living God. God reveals himself to them. God reveals himself to them, and what do they do? They drop to their faces and call him who he is. The Lord, he is God. Church, how do we react when God is revealed to us? What does our worship look like? When's the last time you fell to your face? Because God back then is the same God today and deserves the same amount of reverence. See, these stories in the Bible teach us all about God. If you believe that God is real, if you believe that the Holy Spirit co-authored the scriptures, if you believe that God does not lie, then we can trust this, this, the word of God, to be true. And we can, we can earnestly know it to be real. See, then we could take the stories that are in the Bible, we can allow them to be our Ebenezer's or our landmark reminders of what God has already done, mix that with our gospel stories where God is working currently in our lives and the people's lives around us, and fall to our face and worship Yahweh. Fall to our face and worship Jesus, our Savior. See, Elijah stood against 450 prophets the 12 tribes of Israel that were represented there, and Ahab. The only true sovereign God responded that day. The only true sovereign God responded today and will respond. Family, I enjoy old war movies. Does anyone else there enjoy old war movies? Some head nods, right? Hand, thank you for the hand. I don't feel weird asking the question. Um, I love it. From the action, if it's from a real war, it's sort of ruined because I already know how it ends, but that's okay. Um, but I love the action. I love the explosions. I love the plot, how it thickens. I love how it just takes place. And even though I know it's not real, it's a movie, to me it's real. But there's one problem, right? The problem is that in that movie, all the ammunition are blanks. All the ammunition are blanks. See, you wouldn't take someone out of that movie with the gun they're using and put them into a real war because the ammunition they're using is powerless. The ammunition they're using won't provide them safety. The ammunition they're using will not save them. In church, we do the same thing with God when we go to a false idol, when we turn to something else other than Yahweh in our lives. We are using 
fake ammunition. We are using not real bullets for a God who cannot save us, who will not save us, who will not respond, who will not be there when you need him. Family, you will surely die if you go to war with blanks. And you will surely die if you believe in a God that is not real. If you put your faith in a God outside of Yahweh, if you put your faith in a God that never answers, you will surely die. Church, choose today who you will serve. Choose today who you will serve. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks, Lord, for your word. We thank you for transcribing it down onto pages so that we can see how you have revealed yourself to us throughout all of history. Lord, you are the only true and living God. And I confess that I have not lived my life that way. But Lord, you are a redeeming Father who sent his Son for me and for all. And for that, Lord, we are forever grateful. Holy Spirit, continue to work on our hearts and our minds. Allow us to weed out any idols that we have in our hearts or that we worship daily, that we place on the throne that only you deserve to be. Father, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.